Welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Janessa McKenzie, an intuitive business and mindset coach to inspire success-driven solopreneurs like you who are ready to show up like a badass boss and create the impact and income they desire. It's my mission to help you see who you were created to be so you can share your gifts with the world and make a difference. My approach to business is not what most will call normal. Thank God, because being weird and unapologetic about it is my jam. On this podcast, we mix the woo with the do to help you create the space, energetics, and strategy to attract the clients and cash you really want while unapologetically showing up as who you are so you can design the business and life you desire from the inside out. So if you're ready to say peace to settling, hiding, half-assing, and dimming your light, and yes to having the abundant, profitable business and life of your dreams without living on the edge of exhaustion and overwhelm, listen up as I hit the BS button on the extremely outdated perception that you need to hustle to be something you're not to be successful. Thank you so much for being here today. Now let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I am here today with Jeff Harry, and we are going to talk about how he combines positive psychology and play to help organizations and individuals address challenging issues. So I'm going to let Jeff introduce himself a little bit better so that he can explain to you exactly who he helps and how he helps them. So here he is. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. I'm excited about this. I'm ready to get into some woo. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to woo it up today. Woohoo! All right, cool. So tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. So I run an organization called Rediscover Your Play, where we combine positive psychology and play uh, to create psychologically safe workspaces uh, mm-hmm. for staff. Um, and then when I'm not doing that, I help a lot of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs basically rediscover their play when they get into like a rut. Mm. we get into our heads i think yeah yeah i love that so i know today's subject of talk is lifting the veil of bullshit to show the Mm -hmm. hypocrisy in our current patriarchal society Mm. (laughs) that is a mouthful (laughs) It, it, it is it is uh yeah so for you know we just pull that down a little bit it will be you know lifting this the veil of societal bullshit so we can show up fully and authentically yeah yeah so and that's an amazing subject in itself especially Mm -hmm. right now you know we want with marketing changing the way it is in the way that you know it's not about the sales pitch anymore right it's about people being attracted to you because of who you are right what you believe in and you know being able to resonate with you on some level because you have you know the same belief you i understand their identity like they feel seen and heard by you which is right now i really believe the big shift that's happening in marketing absolutely and and i think it it goes deeper than even just marketing yeah um i feel like there's there's a labor movement that's actually building and i'm actually pitching this to a few publications right now Mm. that i don't think a lot of industries realize 
what's about to happen, <laughs> right? Um, so um, an example of that is like, so do you know Naomi Osaka, the tennis player? Uh, no, but tell me all yeah. about her. <laughs> yeah, anyway. anyway, she's like number two in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And she just um, said that she didn't want to do interviews uh, at the French Open, which is like one of the most prestigious like tennis tournaments in the world. There's like four of them. And they were like, well, if you don't do these interviews, then, you know, and she was saying she didn't want to do them because of her mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, um, they were like, well, if you don't do them, then you can't be a part of the French Open. Basically (laughs) being like, we're going to take away millions of dollars from you. Now, what are you going to do? And she goes, all right, I'll just withdraw. And I think like she represents like Gen Zers that are just not taking it anymore, right? Like yes. this idea of like, I'm going to put my mental health over your job. That's a reason why a lot of people are not going back to work. That's a reason why 90% of people right now, a survey was just done of Gen Zers alone, but this also is probably related to millennials as well as Gen Xers, my generation, mm-hmm. is that um, 90% don't want to go back to work in the office full yeah. time. Like they just don't. And the, the question that you have to ask yourself when people are like, when your boss is like, well, you got to come back to the office. And it's just like, what work is not getting done right now? Right. What, what's happening? Like, well, it doesn't matter what, where need, I do it. Why do you, yeah. Why do you need me there? Besides the fact that you want to babysit me, because I don't want to commute two hours a day, you know, seven years out of my life. Yeah. Like there's just, we're, we're, we're venturing into like this reawakening, you know, um, I forgot what it was called. I'll get back to that part. Oh, I have to study that more before talking about anyway, it. But. I think it, it is a, a reawakening, but a lot of people are just awakening. Like there yeah. is a whole new yeah. paradigm. Like we're on the precipice of it. And it's, uh, some people have started jumping already. And right. some people are like hanging out at the edge going, well, not so right. sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it's coming. Like we're all moving towards the edge at this point. Right. And and it's and it's also like just questioning basic assumptions, right? I talk a ton about the eight-hour workday, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, and just where it came from. Like it was it was created in 197 or no 1817 by this guy Robert Owen, who was like a like a labor activist and like a like a he was just a business owner. Yeah, but and that was Owen, shortening days. He wait, shortened what? days. He made yeah. days shorter. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like, so he makes this up in 1817. No one touches it for over a hundred years. And then Robert Ford, you know, Henry or Henry Ford of like the Ford Motor Company implemented in 1926. And the only reason he did that was because he, his, his people were dying on the assembly line. So he was like, oh, I have to. So he doubled people's salaries. Yeah. yeah, he doubled people's salaries and he moved it to an eight hour workday, right? Because it- affected his bottom line but then since 1926 like 94 95 years we haven't done anything with it right and then studies have found that you can only do deep work for three to four hours of a of the day yeah so like so what are we doing what are we doing with the eight of the other five and a half hours that we're at work right stupid meetings dumb emails going to get coffee like why are we like wasting yeah, dude. <laughs> There's even this um, book that came out called BS Jobs or Bullshit Jobs. And it was all about how like 
like 50% of jobs right now, if you took them away tomorrow, wouldn't matter. Like yeah. just wouldn't matter. Middle managers, um, finance, um, uh, what is it? Uh, hedge fund, like so many, like I think there was a, there was a, a labor movement that happened a long time ago where bankers uh, went on strike and they were like, the world's going to come to an end or, you know, and, <laughs> and it lasted six months. Because like people just traded other things besides money. But yeah. when the garbage workers striked, it lasted three days because yeah. the city couldn't. So like, we have to like revisit what are like essential jobs? What are, why are we doing part of the jobs that we're doing, you know, mm -hmm. and really being like, why aren't we just doing the work that makes us come most alive? Right. Yeah. You know, because that is what the world needs as Howard Thurman says. Yeah. Well, I think this last year, you know, with covid forcing everybody to slow down mm -hmm. you know I mean do I love the fact that COVID is out there no I don't and I you know I know it's real I know that people are sick and people have died and that there are a lot of people at risk you know with this uh virus but on the positive side of COVID it did force us to slow down and it did make us look at our lives and say what the fuck do I really want? Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, like if COVID taught me anything, it taught me that nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. knows. nobody knows. I want to emphasize nobody knows. Like Simon Sinek, Brene Brown, Mel Robbins, all the people like I admire were just as lost as, they, as me. Yeah. As they everyone. all had to scramble the same We're way. All like, and trying to like make sense of it and using words like pivot. You got to pivot right now. Like, they're just like, just like we, no one knows. So like knowing that I tell this to people all the time, like, you know, being that nobody knows you are more of an expert than anyone else. So we have to like, be careful of constantly trying to emulate other people yes. or striving to be these other people when really it's all about like, if you play enough, you know, the answers are all there, right? If you allow yourself to get quiet enough and tap into that woo enough, like that inner child is constantly whispering to you what you need to do. All the answers are there. And then any advice that I'm giving to someone, the only reason why this advice resonates with you is because you've already given yourself the same advice. I'm simply reminding you yeah. of what you already know. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You don't yeah. need me. You got this. You got this. Exactly. And I have a new program coming out too called Intuitive Biz Academy that is pretty much, you know, just that. Like, hey, you just, you have all the answers inside you. Now let's just find them and put mm -hmm. them into motion, implement them, commit to them and do the dang thing. Like, and do it your way. Don't do it. You know, you don't need to do it. XYZ way, Mel Robbins way, Tony Robbins way. Like it doesn't, right. you know, you can absolutely take all the knowledge that you mm -hmm. possibly can, pull it all in, use the knowledge, but you don't need to, you know, create that. Their strategies aren't going to work for you, mm -hmm. period. You know, I can give you a five-step strategy, right? but my five-step strategy isn't, I'm not saying it won't work for you. It might, but without your energy behind it, without your essence behind it, without you being out there and showing the world who you are, it's not going to work like it works for me. Right, right. And then, I think, 
yeah oh, go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say it's just gonna work with the energetics that you put behind it yeah and i think we're adults are so focused on certainty we need certainty mm. right for safety well we think but- <laughs> we think we do, right? Well, that I mean, and that's the thing is just like we get so fixated on results, right? And and expectations are the thief of joy. And one thing that I've learned, you know, in the play space this whole time is this idea of being able to navigate uncertainty and embrace uncertainty, right? Um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but you know, a lot of people are constantly striving for like perfection right and and i see plays the opposite of perfection perfection is rooted in like shame and ego and and trying to be right all the time right and being like i'm scared to fail while play is rooted in like curiosity awe all the woo stuff right you know and this it's idea of like woo stuff like you were born with that stuff you born with it. it like this is like i guess what woo stuff really is it's just like what you knew when you were a kid was all the things you were just fascinated with that we that we kind of got like so serious about when we became adults and it's like man why did we let go of that curiosity and awe of the world mm. to to for certainty and you know and, and earlier we were talking about like you know hanging out with people that are quite affluent and I'm like I know a lot of rich people mm-hmm. I know a lot of famous people I know a lot of influencers not that happy not that happy you know <laughs> they suffer from affluent deadness like they have so much stuff so much wealth and they still are worried that they're going to lose it they're still worried that they may have a net worth of 5 million but someone has a net worth of 10 million or they are so bothered by the fact that they thought that when they got to this spot everything would be solved and it's not and then it, and it wasn't and then it wasn't so or now new, they're surrounded like by all new, these new mindset issues like come up new mindset drama happens I mean, when you get to the next level like it, it is a never-ending journey of evolvement right right and then the problem is like then they post on instagram how happy they are and i'm like you're not that happy and they're like well i have to post because you know it makes me feel better that i'm better than somebody else and so they sell this lie to everyone else that then is trying to get up there and it's just like this constant like you know spiral of negativity of you know, of keeping up with the Joneses when the Joneses are either bored or, you know, not happy or not fulfilled. And then, and then the thing, you know, and then the thing is, is like the joy, the fulfillment, the awe, the curiosity, the woo, all that's in the moment. All that is, all that is playing in the moment. Yep. And the more we can like be in the moment, the more that's where all the answers are. But we forget that. We forget that because we're constantly looking for certainty. Yeah. Yes. Amen to all of that. Uh, and I, I had something that I was going to say and it totally just went out of my head. Uh, people pleasing. So in, oh. you know, in that whole thing, while you were saying that, you know, they, they need to post because they need to, you know, like show everyone how happy they are. Yeah. And, and you know, yes, probably some of it is feeding pieces of their ego to say, I'm still great. I'm still good. I'm still here. And I'm happy, quote unquote, happy and, and all of these things. But another piece of it is, you know, that people, they think that people expect them to, to, to do these things, to be happy, to not complain about, 
you know, because they feel like they know what people are going to say if they're like, oh, I'm having a really bad day today. Like people are going to be like, what the fuck do you have to be complain about? You have like millions <laughs> right, of dollars. Right, in right, the bank. right. Like people compare their suffering. Yes. But you know what? Having millions of dollars in the bank doesn't mean your mental health is okay. Yep. It doesn't mean yep. that your mindset is okay. It doesn't mean your marriage is perfect. It doesn't mean any of those things. So I think the most important part of this whole thing is, especially being an entrepreneur and just a human in general, like, what do you really want your life to look like? Right. You know, right. do you, I know because I've, you know, gone through this whole thing. So my, you know, story is in the beginning when I first started my business, of course it was about money, right? I want to make money and I want to make it my way, Right. But then it becomes more than that. Like when you're not focused on the money, because that's the outcome, right? When you're not focused on the money part anymore, it's, okay, well, what do I really want in mm -hmm. my life? What do I want my business to provide for me? Not what I provide for my business. Like how can my life, how can my business fit into my life and not my life into my business? Right. Right. And what am I willing to, you know, negotiate or, and, or balance in moving this whole thing forward? Because yes, your business is an extension of you to an extent, but you know, put, pulling it all together, how do you want it to all move forward and what do you want it to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, it, there is no end. So I can't even say at the end because there isn't an end. There isn't an end until you're dead right? right right and i think i think also i i, I just made a, a video i was inspired by this cartoon from work chronicles where you know uh someone comes up to his friend and it's just like what's your dream job and his friend is like huh he's like why would i dream of labor yeah and then his friend starts walking away and he's like where are you going and he's like I have to rethink my entire life now because, because we <laughs> define, especially in America, we define so much of who we are based off of just what we do. I really yeah. actually hate that question. Comes an I, identity. I hope that post pandemic question is gone of like, what do you, what do you do for a living? Mm. Because that doesn't actually define who you are. You know, yeah. I'd rather ask questions of like, what was the last adventure you were on? What was the last risk you took? What mischief are you causing? I always love asking what mischief <laughs> are you causing? <laughs> because like it doesn't, because who knows what that is? Just because you're an accountant doesn't mean that defines you. And usually whenever you ask someone a question like that, they say the answer and you're like, okay. And then it's just an awkward silence afterwards. Want yes. to talk about weather now? Do you want to talk? Let's talk weather. What, what other? you talk about now? What other riveting conversations? We because want to nobody wants to talk about accounting. Yeah. Except right. to be an accountant, right? Like, right. But if somebody but, said to me, oh, I'm an accountant, I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, so you love numbers. Like, what are you going to say to them? What do you do? I mean, what do you do with that? But I mean, but even like, you know, say, for example, with, with your or part of your profession, you're like a photographer, correct? Yes. I was just talking to a friend recently about this um, and because he's like this phenomenal photographer and he would, we would go to like this woo camp uh, camp GLP. And he was like the photographer for that. Mm. And we, we were on his podcast talking and I was like, you know what? I, I just realized this. You're not just a photographer. Mm. You are capturing memories. Like you are capturing memories that people can savor 
for the rest of their life that when they forget who they are, right? When they forget like their song, they look back at your photo, your photo, Mm -hmm. and they get that feeling again of like, oh, you know, you saw me as me. You see me. Yeah. And that is magical. That on, on another plane, on the woo plane, yeah. it's like, that's some superhero sh- stuff right there, all right? So I think a lot of times we don't even realize the impact we're having. Like, I'm about to do this workshop, you know, around, you know, flow for a bunch of lawyers. And part of the process of what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on, like, what, are, what, ha, what impact have they had on all of their clients' lives? They've worked with like a lot of people that are undocumented, a lot of, you know, abused kids. Like they've done all these things to help all these people. And part of the process of us getting them in their flow is to simply look back on like, what impact have you had on people's yeah. lives? Like, it's yeah. a great question for your listeners to think about of like, what, whose life have I changed? Yeah, Because I think a lot of times we don't realize what we've already done, you know, let alone what we want to do, but what have we already done that has been really powerful? Yeah. And I think for entrepreneurs, especially in a service-based business or, and, or uh, newer entrepreneurs who are just getting started and they're posting all the time and they're posting this amazing content and they feel like they're not seeing seen and heard or being seen and heard, but people are watching. People are watching and people, you are already shifting perspectives. You are already moving people from the, you know, road that they don't want to be on to one that's better, you know? Uh, And I learned that too, you know, like I think it was like a year after I was, you know, started coaching and somebody reached out to me and was like, I read your content all the time and and this is amazing. And you really helped me and blah, blah, blah. And this person never liked, engaged, commented, yep. nothing on yep. any of my stuff. Yep. Right. And then just eventually one day they just happened to reach out. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know? yeah. And they act like they know you. Yes. They've been reading you the whole time. Like Better. I remember someone reached out to me and they were like, oh man, I've been a big fan. I've been watching your stuff. I'm like, who are you? Like, yeah. like, like people don't realize who's watching, right? And then I, and a play experiment that I do with a lot of clients and your listeners can try out is, you know, as an entrepreneur, reach out to three to five of your closest clients or, or your friends and ask them these two questions. Ask them, like, what impact have I had on your life? You know, like, why are we friends? Or like, why did you work with me, right? So what impact did you have on my, on what impact did I have on your life? And then the second question is like, when have you seen me come most alive? And that's based off the Howard Thurman quote of like, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is more people to come alive, right? So what impact do you have on your life? And when have you seen me come most alive? Which another way of asking is like, when have you seen me most playful, most creative, most myself? And when you ask those two questions and get the answers back and you write them down, Oh, all the patterns that show up. Oh my gosh, that is how I've impacted your life. I didn't even know your life changed because of me. Oh my goodness, that is how I I come alive. That is how I've been playful. Man, I haven't played in that way in so long. And you start to get all these ideas and then you can reach back out either to three to five of your closest friends or people that you work with and be like, help me to do this more. 
because this is where all of the energy lies, right? This is where all of like the juices, right? The woo juice, the woo juice, (laughs) juice. as you talk about the gummy berry juice. I love that (laughs) show when I was a kid, you know, and then you take that and then all of a sudden you're bouncing around everywhere because you're doing the thing that you were meant to do that, you know, in the, you know, recesses of your mind, but have been quiet for a really long time. Yes. Yeah, I find that when I get in my head, like I know now when I'm getting in my head, you know, uh, and you know, we got to do a little bit of work to, to know, okay, I'm getting in my head or I'm avoiding doing something else by scrolling on social media for half an hour or whatever. Well, and, I, and I'll catch myself doing it. And I'm either I get up and I just walk away from my computer, uh, go outside, do something else um like we just planted a bunch of stuff and things are starting to bloom now so i'll like go out and weed and i'll yep. water and i'll do whatever yep. just look at them like oh i'm so excited like i did this like i planted this little seed now it's sprouting so that's exciting i love that um or you know when i um do the second thing what the heck did i say see like i don't even remember what i was talking about because i got so excited about plants uh, <laughs> Well, but this ties into the second uh, play experiment that I tell a lot of people to do, right? So a lot of times you can't play uh, while you're in an anxiety-ridden state. You can't force play, right? You know, if you're angry, if you're sad, you just have to first feel those feelings, like allow yourself to actually fully feel those feelings. And I think a lot of times we try to numb ourselves, but if you really want to feel immense amounts of joy, you also have to allow yourself to feel immense amounts of sadness at times, right? So my, my play mentor, Gwen Gordon, would always talk about how you, before you can play, you actually have to soothe yourself. You have to identify what soothes you. And you learn how to soothe yourself from the person that took care of you the most. You almost adopt their soothing techniques, like their nervous system in a way, based off of how they took care of you. So if they had unhealthy coping mechanisms, you might have unhealthy coping mechanisms. So you have to like reflect on like, wait a minute, when I'm celebrating, I buy a lot of stuff. But wait a minute, when, I, when I'm feeling sad, I also buy a lot of stuff. So you're like, okay. Yo, let, let me examine that, right? So first you identify what soothes me, what you said earlier, go on a walk, you know, start planting, you know, dance in your costume in your house, like do the dishes, whatever the thing that calms you down, right? Take a shower. That's when you get a flood of ideas. Yeah. Once you identify that, then I challenge a lot of people to do this, which is super weird for a play person to say, but I'm like, get bored like really get bored, like bored the way you were bored when you were a kid, because that's when you came up with your most mischievous ideas. And what do I mean by getting bored? Like stop binge watching Netflix, stop looking at social media. And I'm not talking about forever. I'm talking about like 30 minutes to an hour. And if you're like, I don't have enough time, you know, be like, look at your phone. Look at you're, you're on your phone five hours a day. You, you can find 30 minutes yeah. and just get really bored. Maybe you do the dishes while you're bored. But like when you allow yourself to actually get bored, you give yourself the opportunity to hear your inner child. And that's that inner child is going to start whispering to you. Your intuition is going to start whispering to you crazy ideas, ones that make you both excited and nervous, nerve-sighted. As some people <laughs> nerve-sighted, are. love that. Right? So it's just like, okay, 
start that podcast, create that side business, reach out to that person you've been wanting to reach out to for six months. Why have you been putting it off? You know, you know, apply to speak at that one place that you're so scared to speak at or pitch that new, you know, pitch the Wall Street Journal or whatever, the New York Times, you know, and you, and you're like, no, I don't, can't do that. And then your voice <laughs> can do that. I can. Yes, you can. Okay. I will. You know, and then it doesn't, it doesn't even matter what the result is of doing it. It's right. more the idea of now, because you're taking action, you're stepping into this world of uncertainty. And I can't believe I'm quoting, we bought a zoo, but you know, in that movie, Matt Damon's like, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, like 20 seconds of sheer bravery yeah. and everything can change. You're like one risk away all the time and it's just right there in front of you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And you were talking about lawyers earlier too. You know, I can, it sounds like you're taking people out of their left brain mm-hmm. and moving them into their right brain. Um which is amazing because I, I am gifted in the way that I can operate from both. So, you know, I was in corporate for over 20 years. So I have that corporate logistics, you know, like divine masculine energy side where I'm like results, like, how do we get there? I can Mm -hmm. like, you know, build a funnel, like, nobody's business like I can see the pieces and parts that need to happen to get to the result right all the time right. but then you know I can easily move into the right brain where it's you know all the flow and you know the play and the, the wonder and excitement and the oh my gosh like what's gonna happen when I do this yeah and and I was looking this up while you were saying this because this that resonated with me so much about the rational mind so you know apparently Albert Einstein said this no one can confirm this but he would say that the intuitive mind is like the sacred gift right mm-hmm. and the rational mind is a faithful servant we have created a society that honors the servant yeah. and has forgotten the gift so yeah. i think a lot of times when we rush to figure something out like, oh, should I take this risk? Don't ask the rational mind because the rational mind's only answers are fight, flight, and freeze. That's it. Yeah. So <laughs> you're like, hey, can I take a risk? They're like, no, don't take that risk. That's a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't ask your rational mind. You have to be asking your intuition, your inner child. And I think we forget about this a lot. Yeah. And I speak a lot about this in the context of inner critic work. So I do a lot of work with like, you know, dealing with your inner critic. How do you play with your inner critic? So here's like another suggestion for, um, you know, your listeners, because I mean, we all have our inner critic, right? I call it mean girl. (laughs) So first, I think a lot of times we don't realize that our inner critic is there to keep us alive. That's its main job. That's its only job. It's to keep us alive. So they're constantly warning us of things that frankly, maybe we needed back when we were 13, but we don't need them now, right? Mm -hmm. So when your inner critic shows up, you'll know because you feel like crap and you've been like, you know, you're eating some Oreos, you're watching Netflix and you're like, I'm the worst person in the world. I felt like that recently, right? (laughs) And um, so my inner critic shows up and and a, a technique that really helps is to actually, and I learned this from my friend, Marsha Shandor, write it down 
Write down exactly what your inner critic is saying. Everything. Oh, you're a loser. Oh, you're just going to eat Oreos until you die. Oh, no one loves you. Your business is going to fail. Blah, blah. And you just write it all down. You don't like, you don't judge it. You just like listen to your inner critic. Okay, what is my inner critic saying? And while you're doing it, you ask, you start wondering like, what does my inner critic look like? What does my inner critic sound like? Is it like a bully, you know, from Andover High? You know, is it, you know, is it, you know, like my aunt and uncle that was constantly shitting on me? Like who, like, what is this voice? And then my friend Marsha taught me like, you know, then you name it. And I named mine Gargamel. And <laughs> Gargamel. About naming it is then what you're saying is, oh, that is a voice of mine, but it's a voice that's separate from what's going on now with me, right? Mm -hmm. So like, oh, now I recognize, oh, Gargamel's speaking. Oh, and Gargamel's like, hey, you're a loser. No one loves you. You're going to be broke. And I can turn to Gargamel now and be like, actually, I'm surrounded by people that love me, Gargamel. But thank you for warning me. Actually, my business is doing quite well, Gargamel. But thank you again for warning me. So you give love to it, yeah, right? But you recognize that it's separate from you. And then, you know, and I even sometimes text my best friend, Dana, when I'm really struggling, I'm like, Gargamel saying these things to me right now. And as soon as I write her, it goes away because I'm giving it attention. But the final thing you can do with your inner critic, which is really helpful, and this like supercharges it, is you go back to that list of all the mean things that it said to you and you start to flip them. Yeah. And you're like, hey, you know. Um, you're always going to be broke. Actually, I'm going to be very successful and, and have quite abundance. Um, no one loves you. Actually, people are, I'm surrounded by people that love me and I'll meet more people that, that will fall in love with me, which is really exciting. And you start to flip all of these and that becomes your positive mantra mm-hmm. that you start saying to yourself when your inner critic shows up. And the more you start saying that to yourself, the more you actually give power to your inner child. And then you can start hearing your inner child more and quiet your inner critic. Yeah, we do a post like that in my Facebook group every week. It's, Ooh, uh, nice. what do I call it? Well, this this week, it was just like a meme that was like two like little stick figure guys on the top. And one was like throwing a bunch of stuff away. And the other guy was like, hey, what are you doing? And then in the next like block, you know, it says, oh, I'm just throwing away a bunch of stuff that I don't need any longer. And it was like little boxes that like said, I'm ugly or yep. I, you know, whatever, like things, limiting beliefs that you don't need anymore that or you, your Gargamel keeps talking to you about. Yep. Right? yep. And, um, and I encourage everyone in the group to post, what are you thinking? Yep. You know, what are you thinking this week about yourself? tell me in the comments and we'll flip it. Like if it's funny, you know, as a, as a coach and you know, this, the thing that people mostly want to hear is that they're not alone, right? Yeah. That they're not alone, that they're seen and that they're heard and that they're loved. And if those things are happening, man, you so much can have so much, so much change can happen. So just what you just suggested that happens in your group is so powerful, especially for the people that don't write that simply just read it Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. Whenever I run this inner critic workshop, as soon as we start saying all the things out loud to each other, everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's all the same things. Yeah. 
It's like, oh, I'm not enough. You're not worthy. Oh, I'm ugly. Oh, I'm too much. Oh, I'm too little. I'm too, you know. And you're like, well, where is all this I'm not enough stuff coming from? We get more information in a day via social media than most people got in the 1950s in an entire year. Yes. And most of it is telling you, you're not enough. You should keep buying stuff from Amazon. You should keep watching Netflix until you die. But the last thing you should do is be you. The last thing you should do is be your weird, nerdy, strange, powerful self. Because then you wouldn't be buying all the stuff that I'm trying to sell you. Or you wouldn't need it. You wouldn't need it. Yeah. Like, Like, think about America's so affluent that we have spring cleaning. We have a we have a season yeah. where we just devote to throwing away all the crap that we bought the year before. Yeah. Like that's that's how like ridiculous affluent we are. Yeah. I, I am constantly here's that. another tip too for anyone that sees a bunch of stuff like ads or whatever on Facebook that without you even realizing it might make you feel like crap. Right. Uh-huh. I hide them. Uh-huh. If I like I just did it today. I saw an ad and I was like, why am I seeing this ad? And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to see it. This is like the third or fourth time that I'd seen this ad too, right? And I was like, today, for some reason, it just hit me like, why am I looking at this? So I just hit it. Like, and and Facebook will ask you why you're hiding. Right. Uh, and it gives you like 10 different options or whatever. And I always just right. say irrelevant. Right. Right. I mean, you can choose whatever you want, but I just say irrelevant because if I, if it's irrelevant, then I'm, they're most likely not going to show me ads about that thing again. Right. And we, and we also have to realize what we're up against, right? All of these companies, you know, Facebook, well, Instagram's part of Facebook, you know, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, all of Clubhouse, all of them are designed by attention engineers, and these same attention engineers are the ones that have worked on a lot of the stuff that it, a lot of the devices that are at casinos. So it's all about making us addicted. So when you're on Instagram, there's a reason why you feel like crap. It's designed that way to make you feel like crap while you keep scrolling because you can't stop. You're like, oh, let me just look at one more story. Maybe if I look at this one more thing, I'll feel better. Maybe if I watch one more YouTube video and it never is enough, right? So, so figuring out how do I spend less time consuming and more time creating? I know when I, I watch way too many TikToks, I can't make a TikTok video because then I feel like all of the ideas are out in the world. Mine are never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough, right? And it's not saying don't, don't consume. Consume while it, while it, fills you with joy, but ask yourself whether you're watching Netflix or an Instagram or Facebook or whatever, just ask yourself from time to time, is this still bringing me joy? Am I happy right now at this moment? And if not, then get off of it and then start making stuff. And you'd be amazed how much of your mental energy is then not sucked away by all that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, something you said earlier, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was, you know, about being present. And, you know, we, we lost that so much of that humankind period Mm -hmm. that we're so conditioned to think in the past or the present, I mean, the past and the, the future that we forget that there is a present. Yep. And 
you know, man, that it's so funny because I heard this but once that the past, like you can never be in the past again, ever. Mm-hmm. Like physically, you can never go back to the past. Mm-hmm. And physically, you never reach the future. Mm. Because the future is happening every second. Every second. Every millisecond. Yep. So you never actually get to the future. You are always, no matter what, present. What's so interesting about that is like, it inspires this thing I just learned that like blew my mind. So do you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Are you? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, basically it's this guy named Abraham Maslow. He made this hierarchy of needs. At the bottom is like safety, physiological safety. And then it builds all the way up to this thing called self-actualization where you like come into your own and you 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 know become who you are and and that's at the top right and and people have been referencing it in the positive psychology world for for decades right um but i just recently found out he stole that <laughs> he, stole, <laughs> he stole it from um the blackfoot um native american tribe mm. and and he misinterpreted it actually instead of it being a triangle which so many gurus make it into triangle is actually represents a teepee mm. and in blackfoot's um hierarchy of needs self-actualization is at the bottom i was just gonna say i'm like there's a problem with that because yeah, like, because because, if- because maslow's is so much about being an individual and looking out for yourself mm-hmm. and blackfoot's was like self-actualization's at the bottom like figure out who you are why are you on this earth and what impact you want to make on the world right mm-hmm. that's at the bottom The second part is like community actualization, Mm -hmm. which is like, how is a community, are we getting each other's back and using what makes us come alive to take care of each other, Mm -hmm. right? And and this ties into, I remember once hearing the story of of someone, you know, in like a rural village in Africa that was like, oh yeah, we have ways in which we address depression, but we just don't use only drugs. Like, you know, if someone's going through depression, we ask why. Oh, is it, oh, it's because, you know, you're not able to farm right now. Us as a community is, are going to fundraise so that we can get you the supplies so you can start farming. Oh, you can't take care of your kids. Us as a community is going to watch your kids so you can work and feel, you know, like you can, like can provide for your family. Yeah. So it's like this, this community actualization of, of how do we get each other's back? right? And in the post-pandemic world, this is going to be really important. How are we showing up with shared humanity and not just focusing on the individuality? But then the last part, which is really what you resonated with about like the past and and future is this thing called cultural perpetuity. And then, you know, in Blackfoot's tribe, they, it's also means breath of life. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that like, you're insignificant, like by yourself, you're insignificant, but also you are the most significant link between the past and present. You are taking the breath of your ancestors, breathing it in, and you have a choice whether to pass on all of the lessons learned, all of the mistakes they made, all of the triumphs and accomplishments, everything that they've like learned and pass that on to the next group, right? And I think when we focus so much on our individualism, we're like, oh, you know, you know, I'm not really that important or like, I'm not going to make an impact on the world. But when you're able to recognize like what your ancestors have done and what you're carrying and what you're willing to pass on, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, dude, 
Yeah. You were the key link. You were the key link. And that's the power that you have in this moment. And that's why you need to be in this moment, fully present in this moment, instead of like worrying about the past or the future. Yeah. Yes. Amen. A freaking men. So I was going to say something. And I love it when that happens because I'm like, ooh, I get it. And I have a pen and a paper like right here. I could have written it down and I didn't. <laughs> but I love it when it happens when you get so like engrossed in a conversation that you're right. like, I know that there was something, but I don't remember what it was. But what we said was just so good that it doesn't even really matter. <laughs> well, we're just like, it will just leave it. Like wherever we're going, we're going. I mean, most, Boom, of the time when I drop. These, most of the time when I do these interviews, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> yeah i know sometimes Which i'll go back best. and listen to the episodes and i'm like oh that was pretty good <laughs> i know you're like i i can't believe i did i say that i didn't even know i said that i thought you said that but that's part of the co-creating right is like then we're not taking credit like it doesn't really matter right we're just vibing off of each other yeah and and this, now i remember i remember what i was oh perfect about. and this is the power of this is a power of like like active listening and powerful conversation. Yes. So it was about community and, you know, yeah. and, you know, it used to say the old, the old saying, which really shouldn't really be an old saying. It should be a <laughs> present saying, you know, it takes a village, right? Like it takes a village to mm -hmm. raise kids. It takes a village to, you know, just have or create harmony in your life, right? that we're all so conditioned now to feel like we have to do it all by ourselves. We have yeah. weight of our, of everything on our shoulders and we hate asking for help. Yep. This is one of the biggest, yep. biggest things that I see with entrepreneurs right now is that everyone's trying to be better than everybody else. Yep. Everyone's trying to make themselves look like they are successful. Yep. Everyone's trying to make themselves look like they are the best at what they do, which doesn't mean that you're not. It just means that we all have things we need help with. Yeah. That's so, so oh, that's so, I resonate with that so much. We have been gaslit. Yeah. It's like so it's much like to believe that everyone is, help. yeah, right. We, yeah, we, I mean, we've been gaslit so much to believe that everyone's our competition, yeah. you know, and when I was studying positive psychology, one of the, one of the tenets is, is other people matter. And, and our, our professor would always tell us like, look, there's plenty of work for all of us. We're not competing against each other. We're just trying to help the world. That's it. And imagine if more entrepreneurs just showed up that way and be like, hey, let me help you out and I'll help you out and let me introduce you to that. And hey, if you get my back, that'd be great. But if not, no worries, I got you. And the more we would just help each other, yeah, probably the more successful we are. Because what, it, oh, I just saw this quote today of like, someone's like, hey, if you help someone go up a mountain, you go up the mountain as well. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like, like it's not, and instead, we're like constantly pushing people off the mountain, like, or the hill. We're not even going to a mountain right now. We're constantly pushing people off this small hill that we're trying to be like, I'm better than you. And it's like, why? Yeah, we're racing each other up the hill. Yeah, like, yeah, why, why, why are we trying to get all on the Forbes top 40 list? Like, who cares? Like, who cares? 
like yeah. later on in life, like none of that stuff really matters. At the end of your life, you know, we have to learn from the dying. One of the biggest regrets of the dying is like, I wish I lived the life that I wanted to live and not the life that other people expected of me, right? And it's like, we need to stop trying to like outdo each other or, or, or think that we're better than one another because we're missing out on actual living. We're missing out on all the connections that we can possibly make yeah. Because instead we're demonizing people or making them our competition when it doesn't even matter what they're, they're on a totally different path. Everyone's on their own path and we're not racing people. And it's hard. I have to remind myself of this. Yeah, so do too. I sometimes, yeah. You know, even with my friends, when my friends are successful, I'm like, yay, I'm happy. But a part of me is like, oh, I'm also jealous. I wish yeah. I could do that. You know, and it's just like, it's a real thing. But It is but a real thing. able to practice celebrating others and their successes actually makes your life more more worth living yeah than hating all the time it actually just elevates you faster yeah it does and there's a lot of reasons behind that too right it's your mindset but even behind that it's like your universal energy your frequency your vibration is now different and it's higher and it's going to call in more of what you're, you're expending. Yeah. So if you're sending out, you know, you're transmitting energy at the, at the, oh my gosh, I'm jealous. Like, why did that happen to them? And I can't blah, 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 or this or that or the other thing. Like that's low freaking vibration mm-hmm. and that you're just going to call in more of that. And it's the words you're using too. Why can't I, Yep. you know, why didn't that happen to me? Yep. Um, you know, the words you're using, those can be flipped around to something completely different. And yes, it's totally when you change that, those words, the energy changes, your frequency changes, your vibration changes, it all changes up. So I actually wrote this quote down today and it was, it's, I don't, don't know who wrote it. I, I mean, I, probably should have wrote down their name but it was somebody that actually just commented on a post and i was like oh my god i gotta write that down but it says your thoughts have the power to propel you in any into any one of your alternate realities Mm. what are you thinking and i'm like whoa Mm -hmm. that's a good one (laughs) that is no my, my my friend patricia moreno would say the words that come are come after i am oh yeah determine everything it determines everything so what are you saying after i am you know am i saying i am powerful i am awesome i am a connector like i am changing the world are you saying i am not enough and and again we have to realize all of the propaganda that's constantly telling us so i think one other thing i've been reading this book called the power map and it's all about power and and how you know you either show up in a conversation either from either from a place of power or a place of powerlessness, right? And if you're showing up from a place of power, there are two types of power. You can show up supremacy power, which is all about the individual. It's all about, I got to be at the top of the totem pole. It's all about, it's very black and white thinking. It's very individualistic or, or like more of this egalitarian power where you're constantly trying to raise all boats. Mm. Like let's, let's help everyone as well as ourselves right? And when you're showing up with that level of energy, it's what you said earlier, you start to attract 
more of that really powerful energy that you've been wanting for so long. And it's so weird how we, we believe the myth that we have to win all on our own, right? And then we have to be number one and we have to be, everyone needs to constantly be paying attention to me and like, look at me and I got to make another video so more people know about me. Yeah. When it's just like, the more we actually help each other, the more like, we start creating stuff that can become viral, not because we are str- are trying to get viral, but simply because we are allowing people to fully see our us. Because we are right? aligned. We're fully vulnerable, right? And we're co-creating and we're making something that we couldn't create otherwise, right. like we're doing right now. Yes. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this, but he's like waving his, his uh, I don't know. What is that? I'm waving a towel and now I have a, a towel. <laughs> and now, now I have a Santa Claus that is just, that just dances and oh, <laughs> yeah, does that. Santa. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I think that anyone listening to this episode, uh, if you've listened up to this point, you just got a whole shit ton of information Let's and go. a whole lot of uh, perspective shifts and, you know, things to think about. So Jeff, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing this conversation with me. Cause this definitely wasn't, you know, just, I really feel like this wasn't just like a, you're a guest and you know, right. this is the podcast episode. Like we really did just like totally co-create this as a, in an energetic, you know, amazing frequency. <laughs> And I feel like if something resonates with one, one listener, yeah, I feel like so, we, we, it's we did our job. There's sometimes when I, I have this experience doing podcasts where we say something and I'm like, Ooh, wait a minute. That might be the thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So I don't know what we said today, Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so happy that we made this happen. So yeah. thank you so much. And I really hope this resonates. Yes. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. Absolutely. So you can find me at rediscoveryourplay.com. Simply click on the Let's Play button, where then I have a bunch of play activities where you can actually learn about yourself. And then feel free to also uh, click on the on the uh, button that so we can have a conversation. We can figure out how you can kick more butt in this world and enjoy being your full, true, nerdy self all by playing more. Love it. Celebrate your weirdness. Celebrate your weird. Oh, and oh, and I have one more before we bounce. Can I? Can we do one more play game? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I learned this from uh, from death cards as I do these death chats with my my friends, and we talk about death. Is sometimes when you embrace death, you are able to like really live, right? Mm. So, so fill in the blanks on this. This is called the tombstone game, and and I'll I'll first show. So, and your listeners can do this as well. Um, you fill in the blanks of this. Here lies blank, right? Best remembered for blank, blank, and blank. So I'll go first. Here lies Jeff Harry, best remembered for showing that play can heal the world, for embracing his nerdy, weird, strange self, and for bringing back high fives post-pandemic. <laughs> I love that. All right, I'll go. Uh, here lies Janessa McKenzie, best known for 
inspiring the world to create their own reality, uh, shifting perspectives so that people know exactly who they truly are. Okay. And, uh, oh, that's a good one. The third one sometimes can be a, a kicker, huh? Yeah, just let it, just let it out. Whatever comes up, it doesn't matter. All right. Um, showing her kids how to commune with their own energies and intuition so that they can pass it on to the next generation. Boom, let's go. <laughs> you see, like, like that is some magic right there. When you write that down, you're like, oh dude, did I do that today? Yeah. <laughs> Looking at that sentence. If I did that today, that's a good day. If I did any of those things, that's a good day. So yes. thank you so much for playing. And um, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, so everyone listening right now, I know that you got something out of this episode. Uh, don't lie. So I want you to screenshot this and I want you to tag, are, are you on Instagram, Jeff? Yes, Jeff Harry Plays, J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. That's where I make my weird videos. Awesome. So go watch Jeff's weird videos on Instagram, but tag him. When you screenshot this, you're going to put it in your stories. You're going to tag him and I, and you're going to tell us what one of the biggest takeaways for you from this episode was. And then you're going to awesomely just, just because just DM us and just say, Hey, what's up? Just so that, you know, we can see your wonderful words on our screen. <laughs> and then we know someone's listening. because yeah, I, don't know someone's listening. Listening. <laughs> I don't know who's listening. I don't know who. We just want to know you. Right. We just want to meet you. Yeah. All right. So do that. And then we will see all of you in the next episode.